I wouldn't mind the rat race if the rats would lose once in a while. Tom Wilson. Okay, welcome everybody to another wild and woolly wep- <laughs> episode. AJ, it always starts off like this for me. <laughs> well, welcome to another episode of Felonious Pundits. I'm Kentad Spinsgard, and along with me, as always, is our buddy AJ Mass. Howdy ho! It's me. It's a wild and wacky webbitopatopatope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of these days I'll actually be able to talk, then watch the heights this podcast will reach. It'll be oh, glorious. Oh, please, don't don't use anything that Lin-Manuel Miranda created in relation to this particular episode. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, we're going to have to talk about this episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Felonious Pundits. We are a podcast about the television program Criminal Minds. Every week we get together and discuss the most recent episode that we've watched which in this case, we're talking about uh, season one, episode eight of Criminal Minds that was entitled Natural Born Killer. I'm going to bring you the, the view of someone who has never seen the show before, while AJ has seen each and every episode of Criminal Minds many times. I'll say many times. Many times. Is that times. accurate? It, it is very accurate, although uh, this is not one that I uh, hearken to. Uh uh, this is this is definitely a skip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like there was some ni- a couple of nice character moments in here, but yeah, I, I'll admit to actually falling asleep the first time I I was watching this episode. So there you have it. That if that means anything, uh, it could also just mean I'm of a certain age and I tend to fall asleep a lot. But uh, this episode didn't help keep me enthralled. I'll just put it that way. Fair, fair. You and uh, Scott Bakula and uh, Andre Brower, <laughs> men of a certain age. <laughs> oh my God! Was that was Ray Romano in that too? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm observing uh, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Everybody hates me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually watched that once. <laughs> That's more remember. than me, my friend. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to. I can't. You know what? I, I I've, I've taken to liking the bad ones now. Uh, you know. I, I yeah. love the show overall, but uh, some of them are rough. But it gives me a chance to vent, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna hit the ground running with this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's get started then. Uh, once again, season one, episode eight, Natural Born Killer, originally aired November sixteenth, two thousand five. It was written by Deborah J. Fisher and Erica Messer, which I would have thought would mean the episode would be twice as good with two writers. Anyway, not the case. No, <laughs> not the case here. And it was directed by by Mr. Peter Ellis. And uh, let's get started with the recap. Uh, AJ, we open this week in a bar. That's okay, now let me Bal- start right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to that's start. Okay. First shot of the show. 
This is a bar in Baltimore, Maryland, except this is a bar in New York City that I have been to on many occasions when I used to live in New York City. I have watched March Madness from third and long, a bar on the east side <laughs> of New York City many times. This is not a shot from Baltimore, Maryland. You're annoying me, Criminal Minds. You're annoying me. <laughs> but let's be fair. What do you think the percentage of the population that would have recognized that you can't maybe you can't buy stock footage from Baltimore. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, hey, I hear you. It's not even that far. You can drive down and do a quick little, you know, I'm just saying shots. that bar looks nothing like the uh, <laughs> inside. Not that I expect that kind of matching, but I, it, just, it just annoyed me where I'm looking at because Jackson Hole Bar is pretty <laughs> famous in New York. And I know it's a chain and there's more than the one, but the Jackson Hole next to Third and Long, which I've been in, like just like that, just okay. I'm peeved. This episode got I'm off on the wrong foot, Kentad. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, anyway, we open in a bar somewhere, Baltimore, clearly, uh, <laughs> Baltimore. And as soon as I saw it was Baltimore, I was like, oh no, I guess no plane flight this uh, week. And I I was right about that. And I feel like maybe that's two weeks in a row. So. They got a refuel. Uh, a little disappointment there. <laughs> yeah. Inside the bar, we do see a couple of young chaps, uh, Freddie and Jimmy. They talk a little friendly smack with their bartender as they're preparing to make their leave. And as they're leaving, we see that someone recognizes one of the lads and he comes up and says, Hey, Jimmy, where you been? The somewhat friendly sounding exchange becomes immediately awkward <laughs> when Freddie, the friend, says, you know this guy? And Jimmy is like, yeah, man, this is the cop that pinched me. Okay, so like sort of a spoiler alert for those that couldn't figure it out right away. Obviously, this is a an undercover cop getting his cover blown type of situation. We didn't have to wait for several scenes for me to actually figure that out. It was kind of obvious. That cop was so horrible. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yes. Trying to cover up. Jimmy does a very nice job of trying to spin it, but this cop was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I, uh, you deserve to be in prison, and I'm sure you will be back there soon. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it, it was like, dude, you just you just got my man in some serious trouble. Freddie Freddy himself is not too comfortable with the situation, but uh, Jimmy kind of eases his mind for the moment with the whole kind of, hey, what, you don't trust me type of act, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. And they take their leave. Yeah, I mean, I do like it. He's like, you know, hey, you know, the, the people that I'm introducing you to, uh, you know, they don't take kindly the people who are friends with cops. And there's lots of people here who are watching you right now who know what you are doing. Like, really? A lot of this does not strike me as a criminal element bar. I mean, I mean, right. sure, they could be anywhere. But would the criminal element bar be the bar where the cop would also be frequenting as a customer? Probably not. And clearly, uh, you know, a sports bar sliding. Oh, cool. You know, there's a uh, clean you know. thing going on there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There's some yeah. kind. Of, it's yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they decide to take off and we cut to uh, Jimmy dropping Freddie off at his house. And Freddie invites him in, says his aunt will set a place for him. It's very nice. Yeah, so it's a loving, uh, loving evil family. <laughs> yes. Jimmy asks for a rain check and then he stares suspiciously as, as Freddie goes into the house and then we dissolve to some time later and uh, we hear a little bit of Dean Martin. Ain't that a kick in the yep. head? And, uh, yeah. 
Dad, I kick in the head. Oh, I can't do that, right? This is a podcast. We're not supposed to. Uh, fair, fair use, uh, right? <laughs> I hope so. Especially when I'm singing it, because it doesn't sound anything like it. <laughs> but anyway, that's the music that's blasting loudly from the house. So a neighbor woman in a nightgown and curlers walks onto the porch and uh, bangs on the door. She's going to complain about the loud music. And uh, she gets no response, so she tries the doorknob, but her hand slips off, and to hor- her horror, this it's all bloody. Makes no sense. <laughs> I, I know it, we're we're like, scene two. <laughs> Zira says she looked like she has walked over from several houses down. We see a. Lo- it's not like she's the next door neighbor walking over. She has come from maybe across the street in diagonal because she she we see her walk for some way. The music is loud enough for her to have been awoken from her own home. She knocks on the door. Knock, 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 knock. Oh, I guess they can't hear me. <laughs> it's like, really? Knock a little louder. Yeah. Hey, are yeah. you in there? I guess she can't hear me. <laughs> if you're mad enough to get out of your bed and go over in your nightgown, yeah, you bang on that door like until you get a response pretty yeah. much. Or eventually, maybe you get to to try in the door, but I, I think it would and be a little longer. After I'm that. sure she uh, phone her a few times, and if she's not answering her phone, I maybe walk over there. But you're a little bit more angry right. than that, and then you know you don't you're you're, you're calling the cops. Like she strikes me as that she would have already called the cops by this point. <laughs> Unless Agreed. she just wants to go over there and yell at Helen. <laughs> In which case, she's not going to go, Yeah. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh, I guess you can't hear me. <laughs> <laughs> so, at that very moment that she's discovering the blood on her hand, uh, the door flies open, and our boy Jimmy bursts out of the house and knocks the lady to the ground as he escapes, and she starts screaming. And I just want to note, yeah. this happens really fast, that Jimmy runs out and, and knocks her over and just takes off running. I, I just want to Absolutely. save that note for later uh, on how fast I felt that little exchange was. Duly noted. Pin stuck. <laughs> so uh, then the night stop motions itself into daytime. And uh, our house is a crime scene. Cop cars outside. And, of course, uh, the Bausuv. That's the B-A-U-S-U-V. Okay. Christened it. The Bausuv. Is arriving at the scene. We cut inside the house. And then Morgan is the one leading the crew. This week, uh, he was apparently teaching a course at the Baltimore field office when this particular call came in. And a call comes in. Why not go on it? <laughs> yeah, I guess. you know, I <laughs> guess, you know, he was in town. <laughs> like, oh, we got someone with the BAU here. Uh, they're good at solving crimes. Uh, can you do it? Because we don't really want to. <laughs> yeah. Morgan is saying that the Baltimore PD has seen some grisly crime scenes before, but none like this. And I'm thinking, really? None yeah. Like this? It's, you know, it's one of these. It's one of these. <laughs> It's for us. <laughs> this is this is script tease. It's not a strip tease. That might be interesting. This is a script tease where, you know, it's like, it's a double homicide. Yeah. Hotch says, why are we here? It's just a double homicide. Like, oh, wait till right. you see it. We're going upstairs. Shh. Follow me. <laughs> There's a big reveal right. ahead. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Baltimore has probably <laughs> well, seen. True. <laughs> I mean, homicide life on the streets <laughs> was a uh, was don't tell Tom Fontana we're doing this episode. <laughs> uh, 
so anyway, they go upstairs. Oh, I guess he mentions that there's two bodies that have been identified as William and Helen DeMarco. They're a retired couple that's been living there for 37 years. At least we've, confirmed, any- at least we've confirmed with this that Helen does not, in fact, know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, nice reference. Uh, the neighbor did report seeing a white male, 20 to 40, fleeing the scene and, quote, hopped up on those damn drugs. <laughs> and you know uh, what? Judging by, judging by, I mean, I know this lady was not as angry as she should have been, Storm, but you know that she's going to come up with a spot on sketch of this guy. She is going to, in that blink of an eye, is going to have caught every single detail. <laughs> That's uh, it's why things were pinned, AJ, because when I saw that, when I saw that, we're jumping ahead of, but when I saw that witness picture, right, so I was see, like, same oh, thought, just different on. times. <laughs> Gideon does let us know that eyewitness reports are notoriously unreliable. Let's go to the butt, bloody mess upstairs. There is blood everywhere, AJ. It's splattered about. Uh, Dexter would be happy in this scene, uh, checking out all the blood. And we see the bathroom. It's in the shower. There's some in the tub. And this is where Morgan is actually answering Hotch's question about why they're even there. And he says what I thought should have been the episode title. Yeah. Massive that overkill. That was good. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to it. But yeah, that'll be good. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I was like, hey, that that would have been episode title would have been it's, in it's, there. Ooh, what, what's going been... on a massive overkill? Cool. <laughs> exactly. Sounds like a Mortal Kombat thing. Well, either you know. that or, or, you know, maybe someone who hung out with Crash Override and Acid Burn and Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Helen DeMarco, poor lady, was found tied to a chair in front of her vanity. Uh, her throat was slashed from ear to ear. One clean cut. L, looking at the blood spray, who I guess is now an expert on blood spray, says it looks arterial, probably. Yeah, L, L, <laughs> L. He just told you he she was cut with one blow from here to here. Yes, that is arterial. I, yeah, come on, come on. At least they say she died quickly. Uh, they can't say the same for poor William, who was basically gutted eviscerated in the shower. I don't really want to get into the details. It was nasty. There was also signs on the husband's body that he was tortured. He was burned. There was lacerations, cuts, you name it. Poor William seemed to have suffered a lot before he uh, was killed. Um, I bet he was still alive when... No, he wasn't. Because <laughs> he was still alive when, when Helen's friend was knocking on the door. He's like, ah, get with this woman. <laughs> but no, he was long dead at that point. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, Reed is there. He says, if torture is our unsub's signature, the methodology is usually unique. You know, it's a person who burns someone doesn't usually then go use a knife. And Hotch says, well, maybe they have more than one killer or they might have one killer with more than one personality. Hey, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't have minded seeing that. Um, <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> we got 15 seasons to go. <laughs> so Gideon says, oh, and uh, by the way, we also have, I can't, I can't do Mandy, but yes, he says well, we have. I'll do it. I'll do it because I can okay. do the good like, Yeah. Actually, we also have three victims. Because if you notice over there in the tub, there's like a ring around the tub. And a ring around the tub means that it was drained. And if it was drained, that means that there was a body in there at one point, And there's too much blood to have been done there. And there was, in fact, in fact, there was blood in there. Thank you. 
Mandy, Mandy. Mandy Actually, ten point six pints of blood was in there because <laughs> I am Spencer Reed. <laughs> okay, that's not a very good impersonation, but I had to distinguish somehow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did. Uh, then we get our opening credits. Criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds, criminal minds. Thank you. Come back to the scene of the crime and and get in. Gives us our voiceover with our starting quote for the episode. Hemingway wrote, "There is no hunting." like the hunting of a man and those who have hunted armed men long enough and liked it never really care for anything else i like my job <laughs> <laughs> this be fun to get in that's what that means maybe sort of kind of kind of in a way there's a throng of reporters outside the house and they're listening to a jj briefing and uh, in the house, we see Hotch in the living room asking Reed and Elle uh, what they know based on the bodies that they do have there. Reed explains that typically when a body's tortured or a person's tortured, it falls under two different categories, either sadistic or functional. And, functional. Are you going to explain what functional is or finish that? I did. Yeah, I was just, yeah, just going to say functional meaning to extract information or to punish uh, to serve a purpose, basically, and it's usually measured and personal. And sadistic torture is used to extract some sort of emotional need, and it's sadistic. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I need a, a you know definition of particular types of torture here, but I gotta be honest, I didn't I didn't listen to a word Reed was saying because I was looking at his outfit, this sweater thing, this oversized sweater thing. Everyone else is dressed for work. And I don't know, is, is he working for the FBI or is he hanging with his grandparents? I mean, what kind of an outfit is this for a crime scene? <laughs> I don't get it. It's Reed. It's Reed. I've, I've only watched eight episodes, but I I know enough to say it's Reed. You know, you know what? That's not Reed. That's Matthew Gray Goobler showed up wearing that. And he said, I'm not taking it off. I just feel like wearing it today. Are you guys cool with that? This is a guy who's done interviews showcasing his kimono closet from his house. He has a personal oh, really? kimono closet just for his kimonos. Oh, boy. Okay. I well, love him. He's quirky, but like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been staying away from from pretty much all Criminal Minds media just because I don't want to get well, you know, you spoiled on Thank things. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I just I just I just didn't get well, this. But anyway, it was nice to see JJ doing her <laughs> job outside as they they dissolved into this and Rita's talking torture. Right. Okay, that's great. We know we're missing this third member's body. This third victim's body is somewhere else. We don't know where that is and we know that torture is important. I'm caught up. Good. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. And I have to mention that they also have had to do the thing when they're talking about it where they, again, show somebody who is probably nothing like what the criminal actually is, sort of reenacting the crime. And all right. Yay. Criminal minds. Yep. Criminal minds going criminal mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cut elsewhere. And, and we do see our friend Jimmy. Uh, he's uh, in a, an apartment, very sparse looking apartment, watching the news and he's calling someone saying that he's in trouble. He ran, he ran into a detective that he knew last night and, and Freddie saw it and he agrees to meet whoever he's talking with at uh, eight o'clock that night. A nice little insert shot because, you know, we, we need to know what's going on and this is going to be important. So I'm fine. Again, get in, get out. Bing, bada, boom, bada, boom. That was fine. That was it. That was tight writing uh, as opposed to, you know, your 
Morgan and Gideon recreation uh, antics with the dissolves into the, the people who aren't the yeah. people who are the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and their conclusion was we're either dealing with a professional or a total psychopath. <laughs> like, uh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think Glad you can pretty much insert that. that line cut and paste into every week's episode, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> We do cut back to the crime scene, and after a while, Gideon's like, well, I guess there's really nothing we can do until we get this third body. Uh, nothing more we can do here. He feels like probably there's going to be a connection between the third body, because obviously the, the killer didn't want it found. Gideon does tell Morgan at this point to have Garcia pull some data on similar acts of torture going at least 10 years back and, and check the surrounding areas because he doesn't have the feeling that this guy is a rookie. He's done this. Yeah, before. and that's great. We learn a little... Uh, it, as much as I don't like a lot of this episode, it's the little character things there. Gideon's not going to call up Garcia. Gideon's clearly... No. We have learned over the course of the first seven-plus episodes here that he's not comfortable talking to Garcia. Morgan, you seem to have a nice relationship with Garcia. You tell her to do this, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. Uh, have we had a scene with them just alone talk? Uh, Can't even. I don't. I don't I even don't think so. Think so? No. It's, mo- it's it. mostly Morgan or Hodge yeah. talking to her, and, and Reed's been the one who's been hanging out with her. So I don't know. So uh, anyway, we cut to a man in an alley. He's uh, looks like a homeless guy. Maybe I don't know. He's going through a trash can. He's either a homeless guy or he's uh, about to join Walter White on Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he discovers a trash bag, and lo and behold, there's a head in it, and he panics and takes off. And then we cut back to Quantico, and enough time has passed so that this has already been collected, and and the, we have found our third victim. Yeah, we, we, we can tell because Reed's no longer wearing his sweater. <laughs> yes. He did his, his own Mr. Rogers when he got back to the office. Exactly. Uh, anyway, our third victim is Freddie Con- Condor, who we saw in the first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a uh, low-level mob guy, and he was the DeMarco's nephew. And his body parts were found in seven different trash cans, just two blocks from the crime scene, which... I mean, I did my notes as I was watching the show. So immediately in my notes, I said, the dude didn't take the body parts further than two blocks away. It took all that time to cut up the body parts. This may be addressed later. Yes. But I, at the time when I was watching it, I was immediately my alarm bell yes. immediately rang. If you're going to Voltron your victim, <laughs> you might want to make it a little bit more difficult. For them to reassemble. <laughs> exactly. And they did indeed find all of his body parts. There were no trophies taken. Thank goodness they didn't once again explain to us what a trophy is after last week. We Like, we know. Yes. We know. Yeah. We watched. We know. <laughs> and as usual, Elle wants to know if there was anything sexual uh, that happened. No, Elle, nothing <laughs> sexual happened to the body. Reed does say Garcia found several cases about mob related links through torture and they, they, she's gathering them together. Uh, so L is like, Oh, we're looking for a hitman. And Morgan says, well, a hitman doesn't need torture to get the job done. JJ comes in. She provides the drawing that uh, so disturbed me of the suspect that fled the scene and lets them know that there's some uh, agents out there that think a uh, BAU is poaching in on their turf. 
So before we get to those agents, again, that drawing, almost a dead ringer for Jimmy. I mean, yeah. there is no way in the two to five seconds, if I'm being generous, that she looked at this guy and got this great of a description. I know police sketch artists have a talent and they can draw out, like they can bring out details, but this woman didn't get that. I, I'm of two minds with it, though. Like the first mind is, yes, the, the sketch probably should have just been like a nose and blurry lines with, with dust going whoosh. Right. Um, or it should have just a picture picture of like uh, leaves because that's all she saw with the leaves on the ground as she fell. Uh, at, the, at the other time, like, you know what? I I buy it from Helen's friend. <laughs> She's that type of person. They're like, uh, oh, and oh no, no, that is not what he looked like. The nose is a little bit smaller. Like, how long did you see him? I saw him enough. <laughs> and to be fair, we find out he's been working undercover for a long time. He may have been over there several times. She may have seen him before. Yeah, and... but then she would have said that. And she should have yeah. should have said that. But maybe she did. And, you know, I mean, maybe she told Al. And Al hasn't gotten around to telling the rest of the team yet because it hasn't been a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. They go out to deal with these other uh, FBI, FBI agents. Oh, my God. We meet Josh Kramer the special agent in charge of overacting, I mean, over-organized crime. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that a kick in the herd? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about anybody's acting, but he's just seemed a little over the top. Yeah. Not only is part. he over the top, but the agent himself is over the top who shows up with five of his friends who just stand in the background yes. for, for background support. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he he's basically trying to you know have a have a you know blank measuring contest because I don't want to offend anybody but you know he's trying to lord it over and say basically this is our case thank you guys for your help and uh, Gideon unexpectedly is is very he's he's pacifying him yes yes no no problem Absolutely. thank you no worries whatever oh, good anytime we'll, you know yeah, where we are yeah you know if you need us you know where we are yeah exactly. And so then they go back to the room and immediately continue working <laughs> yeah. on the case. So. <laughs> it, it was kind of weird because, because I mean, Morgan is in the room working on the case, with, you know, and Gideon comes in and like he, he doesn't know what happened downstairs. <laughs> He's, but yet he seems to know that something was going on. So we still on the case? Like... I guess it's on the case. Okay. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just weird. There could have been a couple lines of dialogue here. Kitty could have just said, yeah, you know, you know, you know, Morgan could have been in like, like, so we're off the case. Like, hell no. Like, it's, it's just, you know, I told yeah. them what they wanted to hear, you know, like whatever. It's like, yeah. I don't know. No, we didn't get that. We got Gideon going straight to the, to, to the whiteboard. And... And pictures. <laughs> <laughs> hey. That's his specialty, though, so I understand. Staring at pictures and insulting uh, subs. <laughs> I will get both, uh, as usual. So he does start giving a little mini profile of the unsub. Says he's male, intelligent, organized, methodical, uh, has the confidence of someone who's been killing for a long time, and that the only victim that was removed was Freddie Condor, so that indicates there was some tie to him. And... Uh, he tells Elle and Reed to stay uh, working on Condor's background with Garcia. Morgan does let them know that Condor worked at a scrap metal yard in Baltimore, owned by a guy named Michael Russo, who they know to be a, the boss of a small mob crew. 
So he's going to go grab Hotch. And then yeah, go we're going to go down there, even though Gideon just told the organized crime unit out of Baltimore <laughs> that we're going to stay out of it. We're going to go visit an organized crime boss. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> nothing could possibly go wrong here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we cut immediately to the scrapyard, said scrapyard, and uh, Michael Russo is there with associates of his, and he does seem surprised to hear of Freddy's death when uh, Hotch brings it up. He doesn't seem too broken up no, about it. No, you know, Freddy's dead. He goes, oh, really? Yeah, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't a horror movie aficionado? Yeah, he had no idea that Freddy was dead. Uh, and I, 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 I like the kind of exchange here that he and Morgan get into <laughs> where, like, you know, like, oh, why don't you tell me what you really mean? I don't speak smart ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, I guess it was fun. I thought it was kind of corny. It but, was corny. Uh, it, was, it, was okay. it was fun corny. Yeah. If you want to, if, if you uh, get some evidence, come back and arrest me and bring the, what did he say? Bring the, what's the word for handcuffs? I forgot. Bring the bracelets. Bracelets. Yes. Thank you. Show me the uh, show me the bracelets. I can't find my glasses. He's <laughs> a jerky voice, man. <laughs> I left my tools uh, at the junkyard. If you see them, come give them to me because I can't find my glasses <laughs> and the bracelets. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's uh, Michael Russo, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Russo. Thank you very much. I'll be back later while I'm eating dinner. <laughs> Cut to uh, Reed staring at Garcia's computer and Garcia's telling him he's breathing down her neck. Reed backs off and just immediately apologizing, not serving her game at all like Morgan would. So. Yeah, I mean, Garcia, she just wants a little banter and she's, she's not, she doesn't yeah. get it because he doesn't get her jokes. We've seen that. <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't get the jokes. And, mm. Yeah. Uh, Elle is also there and um, Garcia is clickety-clacking away. And she says uh, that the credit card receipts show that uh, our boy Freddie loved crab cakes, light beer, and uh, he likes to spend time with an expensive lady friend, if you get what I'm saying. And uh, at some point, Elle has put her coffee down that was in like a Starbucks cup or something, and she puts it down on uh, on Garcia's paperwork. And uh, Garcia, you know, gives it a look and just moves it away. Nice little moment of just sort of like... You get the feeling that she's not warmed up to L. So not to only is she not warmed up to L, but it's like, uh, th- 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 my papers, excuse me, thank you very much, yeah. my papers. Come in here, put your coffee in. Yeah. hands. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and it was unspoken, which was really nice. It was just a nice little, yeah. nice little thing there. Now, mind you, throughout this entire scene, as I've, I've taken to tracking this because I never noticed it before, but... Garcia, when she's with Reed, apparently breaking news is breaking on the TV over her shoulder. And the breaking news this week is some random B-roll of some house post-explosion that's running on like a 10-second loop. So you were seeing the same like interior of a house post-explosion and it would cut back and we cut back and oh look there's that house post-explosion again. There's no reporter talking about it or anything like that. It's just random 10-second loop b-roll of a sawdust and wood debris filled house and it just bothered me. <laughs> Can we imagine that maybe Garcia was working on something where she had to get some video from a, a house explosion and 
all of a sudden Elle and Reed came in, so she just left that. No, this no. was breaking news on the TV. This was not on one of her side. If it was on one of her side screens, I'd be all for it because Garcia can do the work for 73 different teams if she wants to because she's that good, even though she only works for the BAU. Just, but uh, I, it just it just bothered me, and it'll bother me more later in the episode. Don't worry. We're not done. <laughs> okay. L does ask, uh, what about uh, Freddie? Does he have any associates? Uh, and Reed says most of them have criminal records, but there is one that's particularly interesting. Uh, one James Baker. Jim Baker. Jim Baker, you're sure. He's, he's either he's either uh, very, very uh, different from his religious past, or <laughs> this is not the same guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. No girls, no Tammies in his life. Not like Ron uh, Swanson. So the crimes in Jim's, James Baker's criminal history seem a little bit odd because they like start off with attempted murder and then actually work their way down to lesser and lesser crimes. Except for, the, I mean, Reed says that, except for he threw rape at yeah. the end there. And I was like, well, that's not quite, <laughs> you know, working your way down to lesser crimes. But uh, anyway... It almost seems like this history is made up is the important point to take from that. They bring up a picture of Mr. Baker and we see it's our boy, Jimmy. They compare it to the Meg shot, the mug shot <laughs> or the Meg shot. That would be if the unsub were uh, an order of a bookstore where Tom Hanks liked to frequent. It would be a Meg shot. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to go giant shark. Uh, joke, no, but, no, uh... no, not, not this time. Maybe next time. Uh, yeah, you know, I didn't like this scene at all because it's fine for them to discover that the rap sheet makes no sense because and, and that it's made up. And it's fine for Elle to be confused because, you know, that's just a character trait for Elle at this point to not understand uh, the ins and outs because she's new to the BAU, not because she's a bad at, at her job. She's new to this particular type of detective work. I'm going to grant you that. But, uh, you know... You are the BAU. This is what you do. And I know Reed's young, but he, he seems to know everything. And when you see that, you basically go, oh, that rap sheet looks made up. He's probably an undercover cop because that's exactly what an undercover cop's rap sheet that's made up would look like. That that would be the next sentence out of his mouth. And he doesn't get there, which is just really frustrating. I I, I, uh, I didn't think of it, but I agree with the point. So it's a good point. Elle does call call up one of the guys on the phone and, and says she's got an address for them to check out. Cut to Morgan and Hodge <laughs> kicking in a door. I, <laughs> I almost want to count the door kick-ins, except for I think that would be a tremendous waste <laughs> of time that we get from, from this series. But I don't think they love anything more than kicking in a door. Um, they do the, the clear thing yeah. around the apartment. And it's clear. So good. Well and, done, guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and Hotch notices that this place is really weird. Nothing's there. It's like nobody lives there. And Morgan's like, yeah, something is wrong. It's like an artificial dwelling, which sort of matches up with this guy's artificial past. And then we cut for a brief moment to see Jimmy waiting on the street somewhere, looking around nervously, waiting. And uh, he says, come on, Josh. And if we remember, Josh was the name of our FBI agent. Indeed. So clearly, that's who he's waiting for. Back to Morgan and Hotch at the pseudo apartment, and Morgan somehow finds a weapon in a wall behind a stove after doing the thing where you tap the wall to hear if it's hollow, and then you know, not trying to go get a, a, any kind of tool or anything. Just let me punch, punch a hole. Let's yeah, see if I absolutely. can punch a hole in the wall. Um, this this is just horrible writing. This this whole sequence here is just horrible writing. 
Because, like you said, Morgan knows to tap on the wall. He immediately reaches inside, finds a Glock 19, and he has to turn to Hodge and explain, like, Glock 19, this is an undercover cop. And then reveals further that he had done 18 months of deep cover, and this has all the makings of a crash pad, which he's clearly familiar with. It's clearly the reason he looked for the Glock behind the wall, because he knows that this is a secret hiding place. But it's not until he finds the gun that he thinks that he's an undercover cop. It's not like, wow, this looks peculiar. He would have walked right in to go, oh, this, uh, this is an undercover cop. This is, a, this is a hiding place like the one yeah. I spent 18 months in. And where's this 18 months of undercover coming from? <laughs> he's, he's worked for the bomb squad. We know this already. He's an expert in, in sexual mm-hmm. crimes. <laughs> like, how old is Morgan? <laughs> Yeah. And plus, he didn't directly answer Hotch's question, which annoyed me, because Hotch asked him straight up, uh, uh, you're saying he's an undercover cop, which, duh, yes, we've been saying that the whole time. And yes, Morgan should have known right away. But instead of just answering that and saying, yeah, he's like, this place has all the makings of a crash pad. Like, no, you don't have to say that. Just say yes. I'm saying he's an undercover cop. It's it's over explanation (laughs) for us. It's an attempt to wedge in some backstory that doesn't need to be there. And it's justifying his actions after he's already done them. But using the actions to trigger his revelation that (laughs) causes him. It's a time loop. It's an unnecessary time loop. Bad writing. (laughs) Boo. Two people wrote this. (laughs) I, I think you'll find there was a third writer who had been dismembered and removed from the top. <laughs> uh, we do cut back to our organized crime FBI agents from before uh, pulling up to the spot where Jimmy was supposed to be waiting for them. But uh, our boy Jimmy is not there. And agent Josh Kramer seems perturbed. Yeah. He, 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 he really wants to get out of there too. book it in case somebody sees them. It's like it, it but Jimmy's not there. <laughs> <laughs> the the somebody yeah, so is already taking care of Jimmy at this point. You would think, but you're not going to blow his cover by you being there because <laughs> he's there to meet you. It, it's just weird. Yeah, agreed. And uh, so now we cut to Agent Kramer overacting his way into Hotch's office. And, and, uh, and <laughs> by the way, I in my notes I've taken to call him, him Balt Guy. Where it could easily be a T or a D at the end there. <laughs> Bolt guy. <laughs> uh, I like it. And again, I'm sorry to this actor. I don't mean to be dissing your acting. I just felt you were a little uh, over-enthusiastic in your part here. Um, uh, uh, agreed. I'll put it that way. And it could have been the writing, and it could have been the direction. It, it none may of this not works. have been his fault. None of this works. It just didn't work. Anyway, he bursts into Hotch's office and asks him what the hell is wrong with them. He told him it, this was his case. And uh, Hotch stands up. I do like this. <laughs> and says, first of all, don't <laughs> shout at me. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I really don't enjoyed that my for house. <laughs> And disrespect me. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Uh, second of all, uh, BAU can take whatever case it wants. So, you know, put that in your pipe. Kramer's is like, well, you ran my agent's gun through Ibis. Hotch says because he had to find out who this guy works for. 
And uh, now that he does know, he'd like to talk to him. And Kramer's like, wait a minute, you don't have him? This whole time, Kramer apparently thought that that they had picked up Jimmy, but that was not to be the case. Because Hotch is like, no, you don't have him. <laughs> oh, and, uh, <laughs> you see, there was a third FBI unit that came and picked him up. I could tell because there's blood in the tub. Uh, but uh, they're not here right now, so we got to find them. <laughs> And speaking of Gideon, he chooses this moment to come in to join the conversation. They figure out that uh, that Jimmy is missing. Gideon says, well, how long? And Kramer says, about 12 hours. An interesting... Okay, I mean, fine. Okay, about 12 hours. That's what he tells him. Gideon is like, well, was this before or <laughs> after the murders? Kramer's like, oh, wait a minute, you think he's a suspect? And then this is where we finally get the explanation that Jimmy... Had his cover blown. He went back to Freddy's to talk to him and feel him out. Maybe he found the bodies. He called the team to extract him, but he wasn't there when they went to get him. And he wouldn't be the type of person not to contact them if something was up. So something. Uh, and I'm sure we're just going to take bald guy's word for it. <laughs> he seems to be a great judge of character so far. Yeah. And we, the audience, know that there's a little bit something off with his schedule there. Yeah, uh, but it, I mean, it's not enough to. It, it's it could just as easily be the writers not being consistent as opposed to anything nefarious. So uh, I, I I can't even put anything on that sure. other than you know we know we don't like the bald guy, we don't like him at all, and you know we're supposed to root for our guy. So when Gideon's is like, look, hey, we're not the enemy here. Please sit down, help us, help you. <laughs> And suddenly, suddenly he's like, oh, OK, yeah, sure, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, Gideon pacifies him because the guy is really just ready to leave and he's a hothead. And uh, but yeah, like you say, Gideon basically sweet talks him, um, basically sort of playing the same game he played with him before. And it works. Gideon yet again. people well. So, he knows how people are going to respond. Kind of so it was like, you know, this yeah. is not the kind I'm going to tell us you say, hey, you're stupid. You're ugly. You wet the bed. No, <laughs> just, hey, it's OK. It's all good. We're all friends. Hear my voice? High pitch. Means I care. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Kramer, that's our agent, Walt, agrees that he's going to help out. Pulls out a picture of Jimmy with his wife and kids and says, and you help me get this man back to his family. <laughs> no, it would be weird to dissolve into a picture <laughs> of where Jimmy's happily smiling with his family at this point. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, good job, show, for not uh, going <laughs> Although if they did, nuts. you know what? This would be a completely different show, and I probably would love this episode. So, there, there is that. <laughs> good point. Cut to some dark room, and we see a beaten and bloody Jimmy, huge lump over his eye, looking terrible, basically. And there's instruments of torture, mm -hmm. I'll just call them, strewn about. I don't, want, I don't want to get specific because I, I I didn't really see what everything was. I just saw like a metal tool that had it, blood it on it. It did not look good uh, for Jimmy yeah. at this point. We get the, yes, we get it. Exactly. He in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we do hear a voice that is uh, asking him, yeah, who knows about me, Jimmy? What did you tell him? And, and Jimmy is... Nothing. I told him nothing. And the voice is like, I say that you're a liar and I think you're a rat. Uh, and Jimmy just starts to plead with the guy. And, and then, OK, that's yeah, enough we don't of that. Let's cut back here. We don't. 
we really don't want to. <laughs> For sure. At this time, Garcia is working with um, Morgan, and she's bringing in a box of unsolved case files. <laughs> and, and Morgan asks how many there are, and so far it's over 100, with more coming in, and they're all taken from the past 15 years. And they all seem to be consistent with the method of torture used. So I guess they think that one person is responsible for all of them. Indeed. Which seems like kind of a leap, but I guess if they were all tortured the if exact same way. there's a signature way, and this is how they but, operate is on a signature, then this is a specific signature. Um, sure, unless it's like, you know, the Baltimore style torture. You know, <laughs> It's all the rage in Baltimore to do the torture in this style. This is not how this show works. Uh, I did like Garcia's little quip. Her, her little movie quip here, we're going to need a bigger board. <laughs> Very delightful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chris Garcia likes to play with Morgan because Morgan gets the jokes. <laughs> yes. That is the, uh, one redeeming thing about Morgan. At least if if you're joking with him, he'll 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 give it back to you. I mean, he's kind of a jerk sometimes, but he'll he'll give you your props if you if you sort of playful with him in that sort of way. Like the time he said touche to read, you yeah, know, like yeah, no, we, when we, there like, was a little back and forth. He, 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 he's he's very good at his job, but he it's also a job and he's able to car- compartmentalize the, the horror with the humor because you need the humor to kind of balance it out. Yeah, sure, it's a gallows humor to be sure, but he certainly, uh, he's, he's got it. He's got it. So basically they figure... He's probably a hitman, but is he's like more than a hitman. He's getting more out of this because not all of the crimes were mob hits. So this guy clearly has discovered his hunt, so to speak, uh, and he enjoys it. You know, Kintad, this this whole speech that Morgan gives Garcia here got me so angry. It got me so <laughs> angry. You know, it was like, oh, you know, Gacy, you know. Gacy killed like 30 people and he's at 100. This is a three times Gacy and he enjoys it. He doesn't flinch. He, he, he is a natural born killer. Say it. Say it. Why didn't you say it? A hundred percent. Oh, I was so angry. Or else, or else call the episode Massive Overkill. One or the other. You don't make Natural Born Killer your episode title. Not say it and give me a speech like this where he could have said it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This would have been the perfect spot for it. He's this. He talks He's about this. how. He's this. He's right over there behind you. No. <laughs> oh, so frustrating. Anyway, they think uh, Russo, the mob boss, actually has no idea what what he's dealing with and uh, they think maybe uh, they can shake him up a little bit. So uh, he tells Garcia to keep, you know, working through the files and then he takes off. We cut next to what looks, I'm assuming it's the bar from the first scene, maybe from a different angle or it's a different I, bar. I don't think I, it's I, the same I, 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 bar. I think it's, it, 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 but it, it very well might as well be. It's because if, if, uh, if Freddie was concerned that uh, all the people here are going to see you, uh, then, you know, it's the same thing that happens in this scene. <laughs> All the people here are going to see you. Exactly. So uh, Hotch and Morgan come into the bar and uh, approach Russo, who is set up at a table looking all like the kingpin with his boys standing around and uh, everything. Russo asks them what they want. And Hotch says, well, we were worried about you. Morgan says, we did. We hear that you didn't order that hit on Freddy. And Russo's like, yeah, I told you so. Yeah, I couldn't order uh, the hit because I can't find my glasses. 
<laughs> good, good keeping of the thread, AJ. Thank you. Uh, I almost forgot the voice I used, but. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to join me for drinks? I'll have them bring out more glasses. <laughs> so they give him a photo, uh, a folder with some of the grisly uh, crime scene photos of the uh, DeMarco family deaths. They say, maybe you have a little bit of a problem in your organization, guy. And then Hotch basically sits there and gives their profile to the mob boss, <laughs> gives their profile of what his hitman is. He says, you have a hitman that just doesn't kill for money. He kills for pleasure. He's paranoid. He's a psychopath. And he's freelancing. He's killing civilians. And he's drawing a lot of attention. And you can't control him. And then Morgan chimes in. If he's not a problem for you now, he will be soon. And Russo is, you know, playing it tough. And it's kind of like, well, why don't you guys let me worry about that? And they start to leave. But then uh, Morgan comes back and puts his arm all around him like he's his best buddy and uh, smiling. And he asks him, what does he think his paranoid killer friend is going to think of him being friendly with the FBI? And uh, Russo looks like, don't. I'm not your friend. I don't even know you. I wouldn't recognize you in a lineup unless I brought my glasses. <laughs> and we do get a, a quick cut to some guys at the bar watching the scene with some yeah, interest. I mean, so maybe, come on. Uh, That's a little bit much. If, if, this, if, if this is really the mob boss's place, then no one's going to be looking at going, maybe the mob boss is friendly with the FBI. They're going to be like, oh, look at the FBI leaning on our boss. Should we get him? Should we get him, Russo? Should we get him? Yeah, bring your tools. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't It doesn't really jibe at all. I agree. Now we go back to the BAU and, and Gideon <laughs> comes in and then he says, success! <laughs> I just thought that was a funny reaction. Uh, uh, he was talking about uh, Hotch and Morgan just uh, shaking Russo's confidence in his hitman. And uh, Reed wonders maybe if playing these guys against each other might be a bad idea because they might try to, you know, kill each other. <laughs> Elle says, if that happens, then we won't ever find Jimmy Baker alive. Gideon says, hey, don't worry about it. We've got a surveillance team outside of Russo's office. Uh, and then he just tells them to, like, keep working on it, and then he leaves. Yeah, it was a weird, weird scene. It's like Gideon basically walks in so he can leave. <laughs> like, hi, everybody, you're doing your job. Okay, I'm going to go. <laughs> it, it, it didn't yeah. really make sense. It's just the pacing of this whole episode is a little bit off. Uh, I mean, I like the fact that they have a surveillance team, but as we'll see in this next shot, did we really need the surveillance team? I mean, to, we needed to be a surveillance team. No, you just needed to stick a truck there. Like, it, it's just weird. And it's weird also to have Elle, like, questioning, is this even going to work? Like, like I don't get why she would even, like, I know she's new, but you're working with professionals. They know what they're doing. You know they know it's what they're doing. Eight. Why are you? you <laughs> this is not your first day on yeah. the job. You know that they, your record <laughs> is five and one with a draw <laughs> yeah. since you've been here. <laughs> I mean, I felt like they just had that so Reed and, and Garcia could throw some some gobbledygook at her. Well, of course. Uh, it's, it's, it, and, and by proxy, the aged CBS audience. <laughs> yes. We do uh, hear Russo get on the phone. and uh, He's saying, hey, you brought a lot of heat on us uh, taking out Freddie like that. Look, don't worry. I'm, I'm dealing with the feds. Stop being paranoid, Vinny. Get over here. 
Reed says, bingo. And Garcia says, no, Vinny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a cute, cute Garcia line. Uh, and over Garcia's shoulder, of course, we still have breaking news. But this time, it's a car chase on the freeway in very different light from <laughs> the time of day that we are. Oh, <laughs> criminal minds. Criminal minds. Criminal minds, criminal yeah. minds. Uh, so we cut back to what I'm now calling Vinny's room of torture. Cool. And uh, Vinny is there, and he's uh, hanging up with Russo, one would assume. On a landline. And he On talks- a landline. That, yeah. was kind of, that was weird yeah. to see. <laughs> The old, the old slim phone uh, model. Yeah. See, uh, back in my day, you had to pick up a phone that was connected to the wall. And if you wanted to talk for a long time, <laughs> you had to walk and, and hold on to the cord. So. <laughs> at least it wasn't rotary. <laughs> yeah, at least. We do see uh, Benny giving some killer talk to Jimmy. And when I say killer, I don't mean like killer. I mean, like he's a killer. And he is, uh, but he's giving his little speech to Jimmy, who is still alive. And he's talking about how uh, nature has its own cleanup crew, you know, flies, larvae, maggots, beetles, and then certain bigger critters like rats, squirrels, crows, buzzards. And uh, that's why, that's why I don't kill anyone over 5,000 feet because it's too cold and the evidence sticks around. Mm. Uh, he, he's a weird he guy this slices- way. <laughs> Yeah, Vinny. Do you also notice that there's, there's there's two full with the roots teeth sitting in a tray on the table as well? Yes. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Our boy Jimmy got some unasked for dentistry. So yeah, uh, Vinny slices Jimmy's arm. Says uh, they'll be a- along soon. They like the scent of blood. And I I, I kind of don't believe that he just wouldn't kill him outright at this point. <laughs> like. I, I don't see why it's necessary to keep him at this point. I mean, other than for our suspense and our our being able to rescue him or or not. I mean, excitement for dramatic purposes. Well, he's he's but, basically he's saying that this is his cleanup crew, and, we'll, and yeah. we actually will learn why he why in a little bit. So I, I do think they cover it. I agree with you. It would be make more sense. And it would be a lot neater for him and less likely for him to get caught for him to, you know, take the body, hack it up to seven pieces and put it into dumpsters about 15 yards away from his house. But, you know, I, I get that. <laughs> Look, he's not a smart man. He's good at his at killing, yeah. but he's not that smart. Yeah. We cut back to uh, L. Reed and Garcia. And they're looking into all of Russo's associates named Vincent. And there's like 10 of them, which I I, I think that is a good It's detail. a good little joke. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's the Italian mob. It's Vinny. Which one? Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Elle, is, Elle is going on with their theories. And, and, and we do get to the, my favorite part of the entire episode, which is she once again decides at this point to put her coffee down on Garcia's files. And uh, Garcia, my girl, promptly snatches that coffee cup and throws it straight in the garbage. Oh, this was delightful. I wasn't finished drinking yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elle is like, what the hell? Uh, Garcia is like, hey, not only is this equipment expensive, it's extremely sensitive. <laughs> and and you can tell, also, you're encroaching, girlfriend. So, you know, like... That kind of you don't come into my house and disrespect me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, and then Reed, 
who was looking at this and he has his own cup of coffee. And I don't I don't know where he puts it, but he kind of like – it's a funny little moment of his reaction to that. Yeah, just make sure he doesn't put it anywhere near her table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, the, 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 uh, this, this is why the show works. This is Even bad episodes like this, you have these little character moments that you can just laugh at and go, ah, oh, the actors really enjoy working with each other. And so it, it the love in that respect always shines through. It does. And uh, yeah, that was my favorite moment of the whole episode. Read uh, – Eventually, they talk about somebody named Vincent Perota, and they don't have much details on him. And Ella's like, well, can you get into those records? And uh, Garcia just starts clickety-clacking on the keyboard as Reed says, uh, despite, despite the fact that those files were all expunged, she can find the faintest echo of deletion and successfully recreate the fi- file, uh, thereby sending us all to prison for computer <laughs> felony fraud counts. <laughs> and uh i was like yeah we can make bell garcia <laughs> yeah it's, it's like at the one in the one hand he's like yeah there's nothing garcia can't do Al. like she's she's great although and then like stopping on a dime and flipping to garcia although she shouldn't do it because it's illegal and she could get in trouble and we could all be arrested because we were watching <laughs> i i do like that, that yeah. flip on a dime like where he's like he's not going to give el the pleasure of belittling garcia but at the same time he's going to scold her <laughs> right it was it was great and of course, you know, by the time Elle is like Garcia, she, of course, already has the information. There's go through a few details about Perota, uh, his life. Uh, he had alcohol addiction at 14. He had plenty of violent outbursts, assaults, once threw a Molotov cocktail at someone. Uh, uh, but not near the and, equipment uh, because Garcia would not have that. Yeah. And, oh, hell and this no. entire time over Elle's shoulder. Is a television screen with big word, big four letter word, live coverage, live. It says live, and it is on a loop that car chase and the explosion house, car chase, explosion house, car chase, explosion house on a loop, but it's live. Oh, come on. Uh, Whoever was in charge of getting the background, no budget for the background, for the B-roll, for the for the restaurant at the beginning, the bar. Oh, oh, production. They they spent all the money on that bird back in episode whatever. We're still paying for that swallow or whatever it was. (laughs) Yeah. I I do like this one detail about uh, Vinny Perotta, which was – he once scheduled a visit to an infirmary to gain access to a boy who looked at him for too long. <laughs> yeah. He's a bad guy. He's messed in the head. <laughs> yeah. Elle points out this guy has no fear, no remorse, quick temper. And yet somehow he's been smart enough to, to stay off the radar completely as an adult. Uh, this could be the guy. Um, there's absolutely no records on him all. No driver's license, anything. It's like he, he became a ghost after he became an adult. Reed says, well, let's hope that they can catch him. And I'm thinking they will probably in the next 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> let's check the clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we uh, cut to a place called Tony's Auto Wrecking. I wasn't sure if this was a separate place from the scrapyard. It did seem to be a separate place. I, it looked like Russo's junkyard. I assumed it was. I didn't look too carefully yeah. at it, but it, it might as well be. Sure. Yeah. For our purposes. Yeah, why not? We'll go and, with it. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> And uh, Gideon Hotch, Morgan, and Agent Kramer are all there, uh, you know, guns drawn, looking around. 
And Gideon is walkie-talking to the team and, and saying, remember, we need this man alive. Morgan looks to and fro in his designated area and is clear. And uh, Agent Kramer is the same. And then we cut to Hotch. Unfortunately for Hotch, Vinny has gotten the drop on him. He hits him with, I don't know, a pump, a piece of metal. I don't know. He hits, hits him with something, knocks him over. There's some scuffling to and fro. And Vinny is able to get behind him and has a, a wire that he's starting to bring to his throat, chokes him a little bit. But uh, Morgan does rush up at this point with his gun drawn, but he can't shoot because they need him alive. And all he has is a headshot because of the way Hotch is positioned. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> <laughs> However, Gideon and Kramer sneak up behind Vinny and they are able to have... Uh, I guess they taser him with the biggest electric sparks I think I've ever seen from a taser in any kind of scene. Yeah, this is old school taser technology, apparently. But yeah, not just one taser. It takes two, two tasers to knock this guy down. Uh, and he's not a big guy, so you know that just must be the evil running through his veins. <laughs> it's Satan. I, I did kind of wonder why they didn't... Like, I seem to recall them usually bringing the whole SWAT team with them when they go on these things. I, I guess because they wanted him alive, they didn't want to risk it. But yeah. I still thought it was kind of odd that they just, you know. Well, there weren't any doors had... to knock down, so. <laughs> yeah. But apparently SWAT was there hanging around outside because that's who they, <laughs> their car, that's who they're bringing the uh, uh, Vinny to. Yeah. Uh, it... As they zip tie his hands and. and put him in a, a SWAT car to arrest him, I guess. And Hutch is like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I've just been beaten to within an inch of my life and almost garroted, but I'm okay. I'm cool. And then we actually we actually did have a funny moment here, is, is that Hutch is like, you know, having difficulty breathing and he's, he's recovering. He's, he's talking a good game and Gideon's like, will you just take your tie off for once in your life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did like that. Even Gideon's like, stop being so straight-laced, you dummy. Yeah. They do mention also that a a bloody van was found nearby and it's currently being processed. Uh, and they know it's it's important because uh, Jimmy's jacket was in there. So yeah, evidence. Imagine there's, that. There's that evidence. <laughs> yeah. At which point we cut to a barely conscious Jimmy still bleeding there in the chair wherever he is. I guess just to see that he's still alive at this point. Yeah, check a little check in. Remember, remember the stakes. We still have stakes. It's not over just because we cut the unsub. There are still stakes. Right. Um, and then back to the BAU office for Vinny's interrogation. He's being brought in and they're making a big show out of it. He doesn't just have a pair of handcuffs on. He has chains on his hands and feet and a large armed escort, you know, bringing him along. And they take him into the interrogation room and they chain him to the table to the chair you know they they really they're really doing it up and kramer our friend agent kramer doesn't seem too impressed and he in fact tells hotch they don't have the time for this this show you know standard inter interrogation techniques say we got to make the guy comfortable make him our friend give him a way out that's how you get a confession and hotch says look that's not going to work with this guy because antisocial personality disorder means that they never trust anyone with anything at any time and Kramer's like well then what are you supposed to do <laughs> and, and, uh, Hotch is saying well we've got to make him uncomfortable uh, Kramer Kramer <laughs> not Kramer but Kramer Jerry um, what are you doing we got to make him comfortable <laughs> we don't have time <laughs> <laughs> uh, we next cut to uh, 
Morgan with L Garcia and uh, Hotch, and they're going through the evidence that was collected from the van, Vinny's van, which makes me think of Vinny Van Lowe, which is a different from a different show. <laughs> Oof. Uh, Oof. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, anyway, Reed does find some tapes. And he's wondering what's on them. Yeah, he finds the tapes and says, "What are these?" And I wish someone was, I wish Garcia would just, just said tapes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been perfect. Duh. Yeah. But, but what he's like, I don't know. I haven't watched them yet. <laughs> Basically, Morgan's like, "Why don't you and Garcia go check them out?" And Garcia's like, "Yeah, movie night. I'll make the popcorn. Fun, fun, fun. They got nothing to do. Fun." <laughs> Gideon prepares to go into interrogate Vinny and he tells Hotch to go home. Hotch says he's fine, but he does seem a little bit worried that Vinny will somehow be able to harm Gideon. <laughs> but Gideon says he's secure. Uh, if Morgan says he's secure, he's secure, which I don't know about that logic, but okay. <laughs> you know what? It's nice to show that he trusts Morgan, that you know, Morgan wouldn't let me in. Yeah. Now, if my friend Gideon were coming in here to do an interrogation, would I loosen up your bracelets? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rabbit, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Gideon ensures Hot she'll be okay. He goes into the room. Uh after Hotch tries to take his pen away because it could be used as a weapon. Uh, you know what? <laughs> but whatever. Hey, I, I, I've seen Hannibal Lecter in action. I get it. Word. Gideon introduces himself all like sort of name, rank, and serial number style to Vinny. And uh, first thing Vinny says is, are you afraid of me, Jason? <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. Here we go. Gideon, of course, doesn't answer his question. He just says, have you been advised of your rights? And uh, Benny glances down at his chains and says, uh, take this off and then maybe we'll really talk. Uh, Gideon again ignores that and just says, were you advised of your rights? Benny says, yeah, he knows him. Gideon asks him if he wants to talk. And Benny says, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing better to do. (laughs) Jeez, all right. You you win. You win the first uh, round of this. uh, Who's bigger? (laughs) Hotch and Kramer are watching, of course, through the two-way glasses, as everybody does in every interrogation scene. And uh, Morgan comes up and asks how it's going. And and Hotch is concerned because he's he's like, don't turn your back on him, Gideon. <laughs> and uh, Morgan is like, come on, Hotch, you know, it's it's Gideon. He, he's going to do that. He's trying to show him he's not afraid of him. But Hotch is like... It's not about fear. It's about being dismissive. Perota could assume Gideon was disrespectful. Well, you know, Gideon's not going to sugarcoat it after that. Because we know Gideon's number one plan on attacking unsubs is to pull out the name, Colin. Kramer has to chime in for some reason at this point. You know, turn off these cameras. I'll go get the information. (laughs) (laughs) Hotch tells him that's clearly not going to work. This guy's probably been abused by his parents. He's learned to take pain. uh, And he doesn't have any compassion for anyone else's pain. So that that tactic isn't going to work. Back in the interrogation, and uh, Benny has has recognized at this point that Gideon's not from organized crime. And uh, Gideon says, no, we're behavioral analysis. We study how you think and why you do that voodoo that you do. Uh, (laughs) So well. (laughs) Gideon says, uh, we've got a word for people like you. And Vinny's like, you do? And he's like, yeah, psychopath. (laughs) Uh, 
paranoid person. Well, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> paranoid personality disorder. And Benny's all, well, that's quite a mouthful, Jason. <laughs> and Gideon agrees. And uh, Benny leans forward and says, Michael Russo set me up, didn't he? And of course, rather than answer a direct question, which never happens in these scenes, uh, <laughs> Gideon pulls out a picture of Jimmy Baker and asks if he recognizes him. And Benny says no. And then uh, there's a chalkboard over there with three pictures on it. And he says, how about them? You recognize them? And it's a picture of uh, Freddie and the DeMarcos. And uh, Benny's... I love their songs in the 50s. Freddie Freddy and, and the DeMarcos. They were great. They were awesome. Yeah. Uh, seldom remembered Freddie and the DeMarcos. <laughs> Benny's like, yeah, the third guy over. Doesn't he do those late night commercials for the dead worms? You know, the softies. It took me a, a second to get what he was saying here boner pill yeah like <laughs> i feel like they had to try to clean it up so much that it made no sense <laughs> like yeah, well pretty much yeah it's like what, what was he yeah, selling one of those fishing doodads yeah. <laughs> with the dead worms wait no that's not it yeah gideon gives this a, a chuckle and benny's like oh is that funny to you and gideon is like it's very interesting you chose that expression you have problems performing my guy Vinny <laughs> you know? smiles back uh, he's like not me and then Morgan is behind the you know glass window hey where's he going with this there's no evidence this guy can't perform and I just <laughs> <laughs> like Morgan come on man haven't you seen Gideon in action for yeah. a bunch of years now <laughs> exactly Hotch is like I know he's just pushing his buttons cut back inside to Gideon and he's like does murder excite you is that the only thing that can give you sexual release Vinny doesn't answer Gideon gets up and goes over to the board with the pictures and says, Vincent. And then he flips the board over and there's the hundreds of pictures of the uh, unsolved crimes uh, photos. I, I guess uh, that's what Garcia was doing. She was putting them all up on the back of that Indeed. board. And, and, and thankfully, you know, she's Garcia. She got them all in chronological order, I'm sure. <laughs> because we don't, we don't want that. To, to <laughs> and uh, immediately you do see sort of an orgasmic flutter in Vincent's eyes when he looks at the board uh, and uh, Gideon <laughs> keeps in with the attack saying, I believe you're an extremely impotent man, uh, which gets, of course, to Vinny. And he's like, yeah, take these off, man. We'll see. We'll see. You know, like I'll show you who's impotent. <laughs> yeah. But then Kramer's dumbass, <laughs> sorry, runs into the room and uh, starts yelling at him, where's Jimmy, you son of a bitch? He lunges at him and tries to attack him. A few officers come in and grab him and take him out of the room. And, and Gideon looks mad when he closes the door. Uh, oh, you think? Uh, and, and Vinny says, oh, so Baker was a federal agent. I knew it. Gideon says, well, where is Jimmy? And Vinny says, uh, hey, Jason, is it still called paranoid if I was right? And he smiles like he's he's won the won the game of wits between the two. Oh no, Kramer! You gave him hand. You gave him hand. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy! Uh, for a minute, we we have to cut away from this action to check in on Garcia and Reed, who are just now getting started watching the tapes. I don't know. Maybe they were on beta or something. <laughs> they needed some time. To yeah, they needed to get the right equipment. Right. Yeah. Get the right equipment. Garcia's all uh, ten bucks. This is uh, going to involve naked coeds and a plumber. <laughs> and Reed just looks at her, perplexed, <laughs> says, "What?" 
And she's just like, never mind. Never mind, you you boy, <laughs> you child. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, such a, it's such a great line, too. It's such a great Garcia moment. And it's just like, why couldn't Morgan be watching these tapes with her? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's established and it's Reed's character, so I'm not going to complain too much. I still don't believe he wouldn't get that reference at all well that's that it's the dichotomy of like how do you how do you have a character who knows everything but isn't street smart you know he's no experiential basis for anything that he knows but he would still he would get the pop culture references he would get the jokes he might not be able to you know it's like data on on the next generation he he might not quite know exactly how to do it he'd be awkward with it but he wouldn't not understand what you were saying but you know i guess but i guess if you know if, if you don't know who juliet is or what she's doing on her balcony then you don't understand the metaphor so if, if you don't know what the naked coeds are doing there or why the plumbers come to their house uh, anyway <laughs> use your imagination dummy <laughs> yeah exactly but we yeah we find out these are not in fact uh uh happy video nasties but they are in fact snuff films and that goes back to why he didn't kill Jimmy in the first place, because he likes to record the rats eating his victims. So he was creating yeah. another snuff film with Jimmy, which it, 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 it explains what you said before, although it doesn't really explain what he said before. Yeah. But anyway, it's apparently horrifying. I mean, we don't really see any of it, but. Uh, no, 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 no. CBS ain't going to show that. But uh, yeah, we hear some screaming and figure it's not good. We then cut to uh, back to the office and Gideon is asking uh, Kramer what the hell he was doing. And after a bit of, you know, trying to, I don't know, false mechismo or something, he finally admits that he originally told Jimmy to hang tough rather than going to pick him up right away because they had too much invested in the case and he really wanted to get uh, Russo. So they actually waited a whole day um, before... Uh, trying to set up picking him up and uh, so I guess you're supposed to get that he feels a, a bit guilty for the situation which is why he's yeah, so he feels home. that it's his fault and you know he's handled himself very poorly here but the stress is getting to him and uh, I feel bad for him not one iota thank you Reed at this point comes in and says that there is a chance that uh, James Baker is being tortured and he thinks he knows how and we cut to Jimmy at this point back in uh in uh, Vinny's torture chamber and he starts freaking out when he sees the rats coming toward him. And I start freaking out with my repressed memories of the movie Willard and why the heck were they showing us that movie in elementary school? <laughs> ben, the two <laughs> of us need wake no more. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the rats start climbing on him and Jimmy is screaming because obviously he does not wish to be rat dinner. Fair, fair, fair. And we see, yeah. we see a camera in the room recording uh Vinny's latest masterpiece work of altourship uh yeah. chef's keys and the rats and the rats yes. tell Jimmy no we just want to cook dinner just we'll be under your hat the whole time <laughs> it's really a happy ending <laughs> which is what Garcia was expecting to see on the tape anyway anyway move on <laughs> yeah so now we're back to uh BAU and uh JJ comes in and says you needed me thankfully finally <laughs> yep uh, and Hot says, yeah, we have some pictures of some uh, new victims that came out of these videos. Can you check with the local police and see if they have any open homicides or or missing persons cases that might correspond? And uh, JJ's like, are those rats? 
And uh, when Hotch says yes, her face looks grossed out. Like maybe she was forced to watch Willard in the fourth grade as well. <laughs> Kramer is like, well, what do we do? They basically have nothing. And Morgan says, well, he's got uh, Garcia working on isolating the sound in the tapes. Maybe she'll come up with something. And Reed says, well, the good news, it does seem like they were all filmed in the same space. So it could be some sort of home base for him, basically. Kramer's like, yeah, but where is it? Gideon then says, well, what do we know about him? So they go into (laughs) what we know about him so far. He he lives off the grid. There's no paper trail, at least none that they can find. Uh, Gideon says, well, he has to have a weakness. It's in his crimes. It's in his behavior. Uh, And Morgan says something that bugs him, and it turns out to be what bugged me back in the beginning of the show. Freddie wasn't, wasn't, uh, he's too easy to find, basically. Uh, we cut up his body into seven pieces, but we scattered the parts only two blocks away in a few different trash cans. Shamara, I thought the same thing. You are a regular Derek Morgan, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Kramer says, well, what does it mean? And Gideon says, well, something clearly, you know, knocked him off his game. Again, it's his behavior. What does he do? Kramer's like, well, he tortures. And Gideon says, always. <laughs> oh, just give me the answer then. <laughs> Clearly, you know. <laughs> and uh, Hotch says, well, the difference is Mrs. DeMarco. Gideon's like, right. You want to finish this? And, and Hotch clearly does. Are we in a teaching hospital? Is this Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> <laughs> and that means. <laughs> oh boy and of all the people learning why is it Hotch already knows Hotch should already know all you know well, I know he's giving it to Hotch because of this the beat, beat down he's, yeah he's, he's really just still wants to make sure that he can trust Hotch to continue working or he'll force to send him home so and that means okay you pass the test you can yeah. stay yeah so uh, Hotch goes into the interrogation room then he's all hey look it's my old buddy <laughs> <laughs> Where's where's Jason? Um, and as been as has been happening all through the episode, Hodge ignores his question and says, uh, "You grew up in a house that looked normal and happy, didn't you, Vincent? But your father beat you every chance he got." And Benny's like, "Yeah, he smacked me around some, didn't everybody's old man?" And uh, Hodge says, "No." And Benny says, "Well, maybe if you're as had, you would have learned to fight." Which I thought was a pretty good burn. It was a pretty good burn, yeah. I got <laughs> points. Point to Vinny on that one. <laughs> but uh, if anyone knows how to not laugh at a joke, <laughs> <laughs> ding ding, it's gonna be Hotch. <laughs> we cut to Reed and Garcia, and they're listening listening to the isolated sounds from the tape, and they hear what sounds like an airplane. All right, save that for future reference. And do we, do we really need to know that? No, not really. Just not at all, H A. It's because the, the next clue that we discover is going to be the far more interesting one. But all right, whatever. Cut back to Hotch. And uh, he's saying paranoid personalities develop in childhood. Uh, and Vinny, you know, again, with a nice little line, thanks him for the thousands he's saving in therapy bills. But Hotch ignores that, says you learn to take the beatings, the abuse. You learn to smile. But in the back of your mind, you probably thought one day, one day when I'm big enough, you were bullied and abused, and you became an abuser and a bully. And then he pulls out his big guns, which is, uh, Hotch says, uh, and your father beat your mother too, didn't he? 
And uh, this is when Vinny starts to crack, saying, eh, "My mother has nothing to do with this." Mm, I think I think you're 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 getting in there. You're getting in there as soon as the guy who yeah. never protests anything you say doesn't have a wisecrack. You know you're getting in there. Yep. We cut to Al and Morgan looking through the evidence from Vinny's van, and lo and behold, they figure out what uh, his regular pizza joint is, and uh, that is probably from the same neighborhood that he's in. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I get it. There was a lot of junk in there to find it. It's just like, again, we don't have to spell it out this much. It's like, hey, look at all the pizza boxes. Yeah, they're all from the same place. Hmm. Where do you get pizza from? I usually get pizza (laughs) from my own neighborhood nearby where I live. You mean you're not going to get pizza from two towns over? Yeah, because they don't deliver two towns over. (laughs) This is a delivery area. We know how this works. Like... It just hey, look at the pizza boxes. I I didn't look at the pizza boxes before, but look, they are all from you know, pizza Pizza Palace or Totoni's, whatever whatever it is. Like oh oh wow yeah, because you know if it, is it look they're all McDonald's wrappers. Well, who knows where McDonald's is? McDonald's is everywhere. Oh, they're Starbucks cups. Oh well, we can't figure that out. It's you know, this particular small one store only. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's just uh, it's, not that, it's not that much of a of a of a drawn out process here. Uh, cut back to hot. She's still talking about Vinny's mother. He says, uh, she knew that your dad beat you every day and she did nothing to help you. And yet you still love her. And I wondered why, why didn't you hate her? And of course I realized that he must've beat her as much as he beat you. And, uh, Vinny's lips do start to quiver a little bit here as he's like, don't talk about my mother. And, uh, hot says, uh, you killed all these people, hundreds of them. And only one woman, which was I, I, I hadn't noticed that until he said it. That I mean, obviously, because we can't really look at a hundred sure, pictures sure, sure, sure. and see them all. But I didn't really even think, oh, there's only one female that was killed. So nice, nice pickup. And that's what made you sloppy, isn't it? Killing Mrs. DeMarco was hard. That's why you did it fast and quick. Earlier, I thought it was to establish some kind of dominance, but uh, that's not it. And uh, and then at this point, Vinny is breaking down. Yeah. His father was a bastard, all right? Uh, He called him Frank. He's a mean son of a bitch. Is that what you want to know? So now they have his father's name. Indeed. That was all what it was going down to here. Can we get a name? Which, you know, uh, I appreciate the the work of the interrogation process that Hodge goes through. But with all of Garcia's computing expertise, she couldn't find a birth certificate for... The one suspect that they need to... I, you know, I understand when it's like there's a thousand people and, you know, maybe you can't find all of their birth certificates. You got the unsub's name. You can't find anything about him. They should have found all this yeah. stuff immediately. Garcia's like, oh, Vince Parada. He, he grew up here and this is his mother and this is his father. Here, this is the address. It's already I've already texted it to you. <laughs> Agreed 100%. I, uh, I even have a note, note about that coming up. Uh, we do cut back to the office... Morgan and Reed and L are sitting around the computer and Morgan is like, I think we've got something here. Uh, they figured out that the pizzeria is uh, Frenetti's in Glen Burnie, which is a suburb that happens to be right near the airport. And the only reason they can point that out is so they can like have some use for the planes clue they found. Sure. Which- and, and Glen Burnie is a real place. So it's like it's not they're not making it up. So they do a good job on the show uh, in terms of the physical proximity of suburbs and outlying towns and stuff. They just don't have any video footage of it. 
And that's when Gideon comes in and says, well, check all the property records around there for Frank Parada. That's why there's nothing there for for Vinny, because he, he lives with his father. And, and then that was my note, AJ. I said, they wouldn't have really already had Garcia look up all of the local people named Parada, just as a starting point. Yeah, it's just, she's so good. She totally would have figured us all out. Like, just a cursory background check on these guys. When, you, when you've narrowed it down to one, you can find this stuff. So seconds later, Garcia has the address. It is in Glen Burnie. Oh, and by the way, Frank Perota died of a, in a suspicious hunting accident while he was with his son. And Morgan says, how long ago? And Garcia says, 30 years ago. He was 17. And Morgan does that. Uh, <laughs> it's his his guess that it was no accident. Like, <laughs> duh. Really? <laughs> Good work, Sherlock. <laughs> We then uh, cut to BAU running through a house, shouting clear in every area. And this time they did bring the SWAT yes. team with them. So when they, but they already have the suspect. But when they did have the suspect and were in more danger, they did I, not bring the SWAT team with them. Preach into the choir, my friend. <laughs> preach into the choir. Yes, it could have been booby trapped, sure. But you all burst in. So I don't know. Yeah. It. Even if it's booby trapped, do you want to kill less people or do you want to kill more people? Yep. I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. I'll give it to them. Well, you know, you never know. The ghost of his father might be hanging around. <laughs> so uh, then they uh, go down to the basement and they find Jimmy and he's alive and people start stomping on rats. <laughs> yeah, I like how Gideon is yelling at the rats. Get out! Get out! Go! Get out! Come because uh, yeah. <laughs> he only has one strategy for dealing with unsubs. And in this case, the rats are technically the unsubs because they're attacking Jimmy. So get out. Your parents <laughs> never loved you. You're ugly and you smell. <laughs> it's crazy. We cut to later and for some reason, Hotch was back with Vinny. I, I, I guess they'd like they to wouldn't do follow let him run up. with him because he got <laughs> beat up. And then, yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. Yeah. He'll, he'll lag behind. And and Hotch is saying, you know what, Vinny, basically you were just responding to your your environment, to what you learned. When you grow up in an abusive house like that, it's not surprising that some people grow up to be killers. And uh, some other cops come in to unshackle Vinny and take him away. And Vinny says, uh, some people? And Hotch is all, what's that? <laughs> and Vinny says, you said some people grow up to be killers. And Hotch looks meaningful. And, uh, and he says, uh, and some people grow up to catch them. And even though it's CBS, he didn't look then directly at the camera and say, it's me. I was abused too. Get it? I was, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I mean, and, and that was, that's why the ending, that, you know, it takes to the last 30 seconds of the episode. But like, oh, that's really cool. We learned something about Hotch. It wasn't beaten over the head. Although Hotch had been beaten over the head earlier. It wasn't beaten over the head. And then, you know, uh, they take Vinny away in one direction and they take Hotch walking away in the opposite direction. You know, two paths diverged in the wood and they went in opposite directions. And Vinny turns back and looks at Hotch and Hotch does not look back at Vinny because he doesn't need to know the road less traveled. He's got his shit together. And so it it just was a nice ending as, as, you know, that that was cool. Took 48 minutes and 45 seconds to get there or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad they didn't spoil it with some over-explaining there. But uh, as as we see Hotch walking away and not turning around, we get our closing 
quote from Gideon. He says, uh, Carl Jung said that the healthy man does not torture others. Generally, it is the tortured who turn into torturers. Pretty much explains that last uh, scene. And he, you said generally. Yep. Generally. <laughs> not always. <laughs> so I got you, quote. I got you. <laughs> no, a nice ending to a otherwise episode. Yeah, it just felt off. And again, I'm still loving this show. And uh, I, I I don't want to come across as too harsh on on it. But if I'm... If I'm not feeling a particular episode, no, I'm going to let you know. call a bad episode okay. a bad episode. And I realize it's only the eighth episode, yeah. but look, the ratio for from bad to good is going to be highest, you would think, as a show pines its legs. So the fact that we've not enjoyed a couple of episodes of the first date, it's not necessarily uh, uncommon for television shows. And we know, trust me, you know, season three, four, I mean, we're going to be going bang, 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 good, 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 and you're going to... You're going to be over the moon. So, you know, we have to endure a few bumps before we get to smooth sailing. And if anybody is out there that actually enjoyed this episode, uh, feel free to write us uh, at feloniouspundits at gmail.com and uh, argue your case. Uh, We'll uh, give it a read. We'll give it an L. We'll give it a Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's uh, quickly get to our barometer. Uh, AJ, how about this week? Did uh, did our BAU team win? I mean, you'd have to say they did. I mean, there was only one person in danger, and that was Jimmy. And by the end of the episode, we had rescued Jimmy. Um, we caught the unsub. Uh, we pretty much got the unsub to tell us where Jimmy was, uh, albeit through multiple Rube Goldberg-type devices. But, yeah, when, you, when there were no further deaths, uh, you... Catch the unsub, and you pretty much put this upstart organization in its place saying, no, 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 no. This show's about the BAU. You will not be getting a spinoff, Mr. Bolt Guy. Uh, I think this is wins across the board. Cool. Agreed. Episode itself was a loss, but that's not what <laughs> well, we're counting. Exactly. We're counting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another win. Uh, cool. What, what, what are we at now? Six, one, and one. Six, one, and one. Excellent. Uh, how about our little quiz, AJ? Oh, yes. This is the portion of the game that we have here, portion of the podcast where I tell Kintad that I am going to give him three trivia questions. So far, you're eight for 21, and that's not bad. That's not bad. It's, it's you know, you're, look, if you're a baseball player, whoo-hoo, you'd be leading the league in hitting, so it's, it's all good here. Uh, three questions. You know, normally I also do another podcast, Beat My Guest. It's a trivia podcast, so I like to kind of give you a flavor of the questions but you know they're not too hard these questions here uh on on uh, felonious pundits we're gonna kick off with question one are you ready yeah let's do it multiple choice according to mental floss magazine which of the following is not a so-called rat fact facts about rats three of these are real one of them is made up find the one that's made up we have a Rats can carry up to 10 pounds. We have B, rats can laugh at you. We have C, rats can squeeze through a coin-sized hole. And we have D, rats can get at you by swimming up a toilet. (laughs) Uh, AJ, I too have lived in New York City, and some of these rat facts... I, I think I've witnessed uh, in the sub in the subway. Yeah, well, we know rats uh, like pizza. That we know from Pizza Rat. Yes, yes. 
was that pizza 10 pounds, though? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Strangely enough, I believe that rats can laugh at you. I just believe in my soul this is a fact. I don't know that I've ever seen it. I just, th- th- I-, I can imagine a rat laughing at me as I as I sit there in, in fear of it. I'm going to say that the rat can't crawl up a toilet and get you. All right. Rats can't get up a toilet and get you. Unfortunately, oh, rats Uh-oh. are very powerful swimmers. And uh, indeed, rats can get at you through a toilet. Uh, I'm sorry for the nightmares I've just induced in a lot of our listeners. <laughs> Perhaps we should put a trigger warning at the start of this. Uh, rats can squeeze through a very small quarter-sized hole. They can deflate their bodies and their bones collapse and they can, they can squeeze on through, which is why rats are not very heavy and they can carry their own body weight, but that's generally between one and two pounds. Ten pounds, far too heavy for them. That is the fake rat fact. Uh, rats can make this sound... Uh, that is a kind of snickering type sound that is different from the normal squeaking, and scientists have postulated that they are laughing at you. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 hurry up to the next question. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a question. I'm going to require an answer. No multiple choice on this one. Who sang the song Born Bad on the soundtrack to the movie Natural Born Killers? Uh... Huh. I did see the movie. Um, however, that was way back when. So I don't really remember the soundtrack being a big, huge, uh, you know, bodyguard level soundtrack. Don't think I uh, had this one. If I can think of any anything that might be related to our show this week. Give me a clue, because I know how sometimes you like to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm asking about Natural Born Killers, so, you know. Yeah, right in my face. Yes, I should have had that. AJ, I'm not going to waste anybody else's time, and I'm just going to say uh, that was RuPaul. Uh, Well, you know, RuPaul has sung a lot of songs. No, this would have been one of the stars of the movie. Uh, She sings it in her cell during the film, and they put a more... uh, lively uh studio sound to it and actually had her record the song put it on the soundtrack this is juliet lewis juliet okay indeed i should have thought of it and my favorite question each week is the third question where i give you four options for what we're going to be covering next week uh based solely on the title of the episode can you tell me what is the plot of criminal mind season one episode nine entitled derailed derailed is it a a local carnival is the location of a tragic ferris wheel disaster is it b a train accident is not an accident after all we've got ourselves a serial bomber is it c l gets taken hostage by a crazed man who soon regrets doing so (laughs) or is it d gideon is supposed to be on vacation but an active unsub forces postponement after postponement. <laughs> um, I don't know why that amuses me so much, but I don't think it's the answer. Uh, AJ, the D is um, immediately thrown out. Uh, Gideon isn't, isn't going on any vacation. Uh, 
I think they're going to go oh, this one. Like, I want to say the obvious. And sometimes they go with the obvious and sometimes they don't go with the obvious. I feel like I'm going to go with the obvious this week. I'm going to say this is uh, my second choice, the train situation that you mentioned this week. Uh, train accident train. is not an accident. We've got a serial bomber. Yeah. Even though we've had bombers Absolutely. already. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's the train accident based on the time. No, well uh last week I gave you the exact same choice. L gets taken hostage by a crazed man who soon regrets doing so. I brought it back this week because this week that is the actual answer. Oh no I actually timed this poorly. Ah. I wanted to do it three weeks in a row and I had started one week too late, I had realized. <laughs> Oh, uh, yes. Dang it. L oh, will well. get taken hostage by a crazed man who soon regrets doing so. I know you're salivating and champing at the bit there to, uh, <laughs> I, to see what happens. Yeah, I did remember you gave that one before, but I was just going to like, I didn't think it was, I didn't think that would be it, AJ. Okay. I might give it next cool. week too, just for the hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was great. That was a fun show, even though it was a fun podcast. wasn't necessarily a fun episode. It wasn't a fun show, but yeah. it was a fun podcast, yeah. Exactly. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we hope you had a great time. Please listen, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff that you do for your favorite podcasts. Uh, be sure to spread the word and let people know about us, uh, especially if you know that they're Criminal Minds fans. Uh, you can also, again, write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com. Uh, we do have a Twitter, which... Somehow, because I don't know what I'm doing, I gave it a weird name, which I think is podcast underscore felonious or or vice versa. But I think you can look it up by typing felonious pundits and uh, you will get to it. Go ahead and follow that Twitter, too. That would be nice. Um, for AJ Mass, this is Kentad Spinsgard. Goodbye, everybody. Keep profiling. Wheels up. I'm very ticklish. They say being tickled is a form of torture. Melissa Sage Miller